Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for what I hope will be an interesting and informative discussion around some of the latest data in rheumatology. My name is Professor Peter Nash from the Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane in Australia. And today we're very fortunate and delighted to be joined by Dr. Sophia Ramiro, who's a consultant rheumatologist and senior researcher at Leiden University Medical Centre. Welcome, Sophia. Great to see you. And thank you for giving up your time. Um, we're going to talk about one of your recent papers uh, that looks at fatty lesions, inflammations, and desmophytes in patients with radiographic axial spondylarthropathy, the results from a cohort and a trial that we're going to talk about. So let's just start with yourself. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you work? Thank you very much, uh, Peter, for this kind invitation. It's a uh, pleasure for me to be here and share with you uh, some insights into our work. So I'm a rheumatologist, I'm an epidemiologist uh, as well, and I work uh, in the Netherlands. I do clinical uh, practice, as a, practice as a rheumatologist and also uh, do um, uh, clinical research, mainly in actual spinal arthritis, also in other inflammatory diseases and also with a focus on imaging and a focus on methodology and uh, analysis of outcomes. Perfect. So today we're going to talk about your paper that's been published recently in RMD Open, and it's looking at inflammation in the spine of people that come from two different studies. So perhaps you should just tell us about these two cohorts, the SIAS cohort and the ASSERT trial, just as a background. Yes, sure. So uh, just as a short background, maybe I could uh, tell you that what we uh, were, had noticed before in previous studies and actually in these two cohorts that I will briefly tell you about, we know that inflammation and the vertebral corners is associated with the development of new syndesmophytes, so predicts the uh, development of new syndesmophytes. We also know that uh, fatty lesions in those vertebral corners also predict the development of uh, syndesmophytes. And actually, previously in the assert trial, we have seen that there's a kind of sequence. So in vertebral corners that have inflammation, then we see later a new fatty lesion and later a new syndesmophyte. However, we, those are predictive analysis, so we don't even really know whether there is a causality between uh, these uh, occurrences. And that is what we wanted to analyze further, to analyze is there a mediation in this uh, relationship? In other words, is the effect of inflammation on the development of syndesmophytes, of new syndesmophytes, mediated by the development of uh, uh, new fatty lesions? And that's exactly why we went to this specific cohort, because in, the, in this cohort, the individual relationships had been shown before. So the fact that inflammation leads to syndesmophyte formation and the fact that fatty lesions uh, lead um, uh, also to syndesmophyte formation. Which are these cohorts? The CS cohort is a sensitive imaging in ankylosing spondylitis. It's a, uh, a cohort study that was set up in Leiden 
and in Hirna in Germany, and patients with radiographic actual SPA with a with at least one syndesmophyte, and that had uh, also a positive MRI, so inflammation on the MRI of the spine were included. So as you can hear, our patients with really radiographic actual SPA, so lung established disease, and also with damage of the spine. And on the other hand, we have a, a randomized control trial, the ASSERT trial, uh, that was one of the first trials in radiographic actual SPA in which patients were treated with infliximab. From both, both studies, we have an assessment at baseline of inflammation in the vertebral corners. We have an assessment of at two years of new syndesmophytes, and we have an intermediate assessment where we could use the development of new uh, fatty lesions. For CS, the cohort study, this intermediate assessment was one year. For ASSERT, this intermediate assessment was 24 weeks. Another difference, last one thing, a difference about the two cohorts is that what the data that we used from ASSERT were with uh, um, uh, X-rays, so rad conventional radiographs for the assessment of syndesmophytes. From CS, we also have X-rays, but we also have low-dose CT, it's a more recent cohort, so we used the, the development of syndesmophytes as assessed with low-dose CT. Okay, so uh, a couple of things. There are a number of other factors that drive syndesmophytes or associated with syndesmophytes you would have had to control for, like um, male sex, smoking, etc., etc. What are those factors that we should be aware of? And why is the syndesmophyte formation such an important thing to, to be aware of or to follow? Because it's these days, it's not as common to see these things as it used to be. Very good question. So we know that uh, we know uh, some factors that are associated with uh, more development of syndesmophytes, and those are indeed uh, male gender. And actually, the, the, the top one is actually already the presence of syndesmophytes. We can discuss to what extent this is really a predictor because when damage already started, then uh, it's not predicting the development of the first damage occurring. But in patients that already have the first syndesmophyte, it's by far the strongest predictor of subsequent syndesmophyte is already in the presence of uh, previous damage. So that's the strongest predictor. Then indeed male gender, as I was mentioning, uh, disease activity. So patients that have uh, high ongoing uh, disease activity, a high ASDAS uh, is associated with development of uh, more damage or more syndesmophytes in, in, in the future. Uh, CRP, but uh, that is also measuring a similar uh, effect as the ASDAS. And then also at the local level of the vertebral corner, we have uh, inflammation that we measure on the, that we see on, on MRIs. So the vertebral corner inflammation associated with the development of syndesmophytes. So we have inflammation in a local level and we have inflammation in, in a systemic level. Patients who are HLA-B27 positive also tend to uh, have development of uh, more damage, although when adjusting for all the remaining factors, the HLA-B27 seems to be less strong than the factors that I previously mentioned. And also smoking, although smoking we have previously also seen that it, may, it seems to work through an amplification or to have an effect on the amplification of the effect of inflammation. So we see that in patients who smoke, the effect of ASDAS on the development of syndesmophytes is much more amplified, is much larger than in patients who do not smoke. And the importance of syndesmophyte yes. formation, it's a surrogate for damage and bad outcomes. 
Yes, that's a, that's the, the was the second part of your question, and I think you are right. Nowadays, we see less of these patients. It becomes quite challenging to demonstrate why we see less of those patients. But I think that we start uh, understanding more that we do that because we uh, diagnose patients earlier and we treat patients earlier, and therefore they fortunately do not develop the last stage, last stage of the disease. Of course, that is not true for everyone. We still have difficulties in identifying. Who are those that will, at an individual level, we have difficulties in, in our uh, office, look at a patient and know well, who is the patient who will develop further damage uh, in the future. Uh, but uh, the importance of, of damage is, is indeed that it's associated with worse outcomes, with worse functional um, impairment. So functional impairment of, of patients with impairment in uh, spinal uh, mobility. And that therefore, we uh, damage is a surrogate of this uh, patient reported outcomes and domains that are important for daily lives of patients. Excellent. So when I've heard particularly Walter talk about this theory of the fatty corners and, and inflammation, he always qualifies it by anti-inflammatories work at this stage and biologics work at this stage. So you would have had to have controlled for treatment for these two groups of patients. So one trial was on an, a TNF or placebo, but was the SAAS patients also, and the NSAIDs were sort of available all the way through. He His point really is that there's a period of time when NSAIDs block the progression of inflammation, a period of time when the biologics do. So I just wonder how you control for therapy in these patients. Very good question. Uh, what we are doing here is that we are doing the analysis at the individual corner level. So it means that we are looking at the, the that adjusts for the within uh, patient correlation. So that adjusts for other factors that are different for the patient. And they are those factors are systemically and they are not influencing the vertebral corner uh, level and and also the mediation analysis that we did specifically adjust for the vertebral for the, the several levels that we have in the analysis and the way the data were prepared is that we have different vertebral corners uh, linked to each other and uh, we connected with which are those within the same patient. So in that sense, the, the treatment will have less of an effect when we're looking up, uh, at medication, at, at effects at the vertebral corner level, but also, um, also for that, what we, we exactly also for that, we have run the analysis not only in an observational study, but also in a randomized control trial where, where all those effects are more uh, controlled and we obtain similar results as we will hear shortly. Okay, so we'll, we'll go on to methods and results in a sec. Are you a believer that NSAIDs can block the progression of inflammation in the spine? and whether it has to be continuous or intermittent. And that, that gives us um, material for a long conversation, but uh, <laughs> I will try to give you a not very long answer and say that uh, we have controversial evidence uh, um, on that at the moment. And therefore, because of the potential side effects of the NSAID special, especially when taken uh, chronically, I don't think we have at the moment evidence to recommend taking continuous NSAIDs only based on the eventual 
protection for the development of damage. So I think that the decision to prescribe NSAIDs should be based on uh, clinical presentation and the pre presence of symptoms. If patients do not have symptoms, do not have active disease, then I don't think we should be doing continuous NSAIDs. And, and do you think that the evidence is strong enough that NSAIDs block progression? No, I don't think that the evidence is strong enough. Okay, I think cool. there, there's a trial saying yes, there's a trial saying no, so I think we don't know, and therefore I don't think that the evidence is strong enough. Perfect. So can you tell us the method you use to do this study? Yes. So I previously told you which uh, studies, which, which cohorts we used, so a cohort study and a trial, and we uh, have assessed uh, patients at uh, baseline two years and the intermediate uh, time point, one year in the CS cohort and six, uh, 24 weeks in the search trial. And we have uh, looked at the mediation effect. So whether uh, uh, inflammation at the vertebral coronal level leads to syndesmophytes, new syndesmophytes after two years, and whether this is mediated by the development of new fatty lesions. That means we, we had to exclude those vertebral coroners that at baseline either had uh, already a syndesmophyte because they could not develop a new syndesmophyte or already had a fatty lesion because they could not develop a new uh, fatty lesion. Um, that, uh, but then we could conduct um, mediation analysis to understand whether the effect of inflammation on new syndesmophyte formation is mediated by uh, new fatty lesions, development of new fatty lesions. Um, just expand a little on what mediation analysis is for those people like me who've never heard of it before. Yes, sure. So the mediation analysis is a type of analysis that gives us more insight into a causal pathway. So if we are um, trying, uh, we, if we look at the different types of predictive analysis, they look at whether one, the, the, one, uh, the presence of a variable at baseline, for example, inflammation is associated uh, with syndesmophytes two years later. Then uh, independently of that, we can also look at whether inflammation is associated with fatty lesions, but here we want to put there all together. So we want to see whether the effect of inflammation on syndesmophytes, whether it's a direct effect or whether it's an indirect effect that is mediated by the development of new fatty lesions. So whether when inflammation effect has an impact on the development of syndesmophytes, whether that happens directly or whether that, that happens by first getting developing a new fatty lesion and then developing a new syndesmophyte. Because if, if that's the case, if there's a, a mediator in this equation, then the role of fatty lesions becomes more important because that's also a potential target to inhibit the development of syndesmophytes. Well, whereas if not, if there's no mediation, then the role of inflammation is the most important and it matters less whether afterwards we have a fatty lesion or not. So this was the, the important question behind it and the reason why we conducted with mediation analysis. Okay, and what were your results of your, your assessment? Uh, so uh, in, in both cohorts, and we checked that again, as I mentioned before, uh, inflammation leads to new, bone, to, to new bone formation, so to syndesmophytes. Fatty lesions also new, lead to new syndesmophytes. But when we test the 
total effect of inflammation on uh, new syndesmophytes, we find a total effect of 9.3%, and then we decomposed it in what I mentioned before. So the direct effect from inflammation on new syndesmophytes, and I'm telling you first the results in the CHAS cohort, and the, the direct effect was 9.1%. So that means that the indirect effect, so the inflammation, the effect of inflammation through new fatty lesion on new syndesmophytes is 0.2%. So that means that it's 2% of the total effect. So that means the vast majority of the effect from inflammation on new syndesmophytes is through a direct effect from inflammation on syndesmophytes. Then we did the same in the ASSERT trial and we obtained similar results, the total effect was a little bit lower, 7.3%. And the indirect effect, so from inflammation through new fatty lesions on new syndesmophytes was 0.8%, which makes a total of the indirect effect being 10%, which is a little bit higher than in the CS cohort. But you will agree with me that in, in, in total, this is a, a negligible effect. If, if, if it's only mediated in two, to 10% of the cases, then the effect of inflammation on syndesmophytes is ma mainly a direct effect and not mediated uh, through the effect or through the development of uh, new fatty lesions. So those are the conclusions of the study. And I think it's good, very good to, to, to see the same in two different studies, because if we see in one study and we have different results in another, we may wonder, but when we have exactly the same finding in two different studies, and in, that there are different trial populations and in which the intermediate assessment is measured in different moments. So the new fatty lesions were in one study at roughly six months and the other at one year. So that uh, adds to the robustness uh, of, of the findings. And were there any of the baseline characteristics predictors of progression, non-progression fatty lesions or not? Age, sex, B27, CRP, BASDA, et cetera? Uh, this was not the, the aim of this analysis, so we did not test it now because, as I explained to you, we were looking at the lesions exactly at the same level, and therefore we, we, we do not need to look at the um, general characteristics of patients for that. But I know that in this cohort, baseline, those baseline characteristics that you mentioned are indeed associated to, with more damage, as expected. Okay, so that it fitted with what you had seen previously yes correct and and again just to reassure me there's there's no way if someone changes therapy over zero to one year to two year it would impact your following that one person's inflammation over time Correct. The, the level of inflammation can change over time, but uh, inflammation is only measured at baseline. And then the new fatty lesions in the intermediate time point and the syndesmophytes after two years. So the inflammation is already measured only at uh, baseline. Okay. So it sounds, sounds good. Sounds like a nice hypothesis has been generated that we don't have to pay as much attention on fatty lesions as we uh, suspected previously, perhaps. Any other, what's your take-home message for the clinician who's trying to get their head around imaging in AXPA? I think for clinicians, uh, the take-home message is that imaging is uh, most important. And of course, development of syndesmophytes, I think that for a clinician, fatty lesions seem to be less important. 
client think that we researchers in actual SPAC need to continue understanding uh, better how they form and why and what happens. But that, I don't think that has a translation for daily clinical practice. So it, I think it's important to look at inflammation and to look at damage. And in general, as we know, it's important to try to suppress uh, inflammation in our patients. And you did mention three imaging modalities, plain ray, low-dose CT and MR. Not a lot of people are doing low-dose CT as far as I'm aware. Can you Correct. tell us if you think that's going to be a worthwhile future way of examining AXPAR patients or whether MRI remains the gold standard? Um, I think they serve different purposes. MRI is the gold standard for the assessment of inflammation. Conventional x-rays are the assessment, the gold standard for the assessment of structural damage development and of syndesmophytes, but they have several limitations. It's a, a bi-dimensional uh, technique where we cannot assess the thoracic spine because of overprojection of, of the lungs. And apparently the highest progression seems exactly to take place in the thoracic spine. So low-dose CT overcomes several of those problems and captures more progression than what conventional radiographs uh, capture. So yes, I think low-dose CT will be promising. I don't think it should be used nowadays in daily clinical practice yet because although it's low-dose CT, so has less radiation than a regular CT, it still has radiation. Technology is improving. So when we started performing low-dose CTs, they had much more radiation 10 years ago than now, simply because of technology. And we uh, it's expected that that will continue. And if that in, continues more and more, I think we will reach a point where it may become interesting for daily clinical practice, but we are far from that. The first step has first steps have been developing the method. And I think we will have to start at some point using uh, low-dose CT in trials, and then uh, eventually later, if we see that it has an uh, added value, it can come to clinical practice, but not yet. And one of the roadblocks for us in particular is that our reimbursers and regulators insist on New York criteria um, to uh, reimburse biologic therapy, which is late in the disease and certainly not an early finding. What's the situation in Europe? Can you just use MR or do you have to have plain X-ray change? Uh, for what? For, uh, tr for treating patients? To get reimbursed but, biologic therapy. And when you say to get reimbursed, you mean at the level of the clinician in daily clinical practice or you yes. mean when we, run tr when we develop trials to get the approval of the for the indication. The clinician in daily practice. Yeah. We have to no, in Europe, we don't need we don't need to have uh, uh, modified New York, so we can have uh, most of the countries, and at least for the Netherlands, I can speak uh, more easily. But other uh, several other European countries, we use uh, actual SPA in as a, an over coupling term uh, where uh, patients can be treated when they have radiographic actual SPA, but also when they have non-radiographic actual SPA. That means without the presence of radiographic sacroiliitis, and therefore you don't need a modified New York criteria. If patients do not have a radi radiographic sacroiliitis, so if they have non-radiographic uh, actual SPA, then you need objective signs of inflammation like positive as CRP or positive inflammation on the MRI. But I think that's uh, reasonable also because patients with those uh, signs of inflammation have been included in the trials, and those are predictors of response to uh, treatment. Excellent. So lastly, what's your future plans with these cohorts and this imaging study? Um, well, uh, 
we already touched upon the Lodo city and that's an area of interest uh, of our group and of myself and actually we started another project with Lodo city the CS cohort was the cohort where we conducted the first study with actually with the Lodo city in actual SPA and we have shown its added value but of course you will not start using it, it using it in trials without showing it in an independent study so we have started the axioma study exactly to uh, test again uh, the value of low dose CT compared to conventional radiographs. And we are going one step further and trying to uh, assess whether after one year, we already can measure progression with low dose CT, which is not the case with radiographs. We always need to wait uh, at least two years. So develop assessment of the structural damage is definitely uh, a, a path that I tend to continue to investigate in actual SPA. So oh, excellent. So thank you very much for your time, Sophia. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I'd like if you'd like to know more about this paper and others uploaded to the CSF website this month, you can get detailed slides that are available and you can get the publication itself in the publication section at cytokinesignaling.com. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or other podcast media that you use and let us know what you think. We appreciate the feedback and we thank you very much, Sophia. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>